0: Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au Amen. Well, it's a privilege and a pleasure to have with us Pastor Ronald Rodrigo from uh, Victoria. He, together with his wife Ingrid, Uh, pastor a great church called Restore Church uh, in Victoria, a church that began over 13 years ago. And he's just done an amazing job in building the church and and doing a great work over there uh, in in Victoria. He's also part of the uh, executive of the Christian Church in Australia, been a great support uh, to me personally, to us as a church, and, and also to the churches here in Australia. Ronald's a great man of God. He's a great man of faith. And I'm just so powerful, uh, uh, just so privileged to be able to have him as a friend and to be able to do church together. I think I said last week that, you know, it's a real gift. Friendships are a gift from God. And I believe that Ronald is certainly a gift to me and and certainly to us as a church. He's a great man of God. He's sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit. He preaches the word with power, seeing God do some amazing things in his church. And I know that God is going to speak to us today. So would you give him a big, big, big warm welcome as he comes to minister and to share the word of God this morning? Amen.
1: Thank you, Pastor Joe. Bless you. Good morning. Good to see all of you here this morning. Not that I've seen you, you know, every Sunday, but uh, it's good to see you. Praise God. You know, I thank and praise God for the opportunity they have this morning to come and share God's word with you. Thank you, Pastor Joe. You know, uh, he's been such a great friend, such an encouragement to us and the church as well back at home. And... Uh, you know, we are, we are so blessed as a church to have Pastor Joe, even during the times of our lockdown, speak to us through Zoom, wasn't it good? You know, we, in, when we have him, you know, coming to the church, personally, we were so blessed, but uh, on Zoom too, we were very, very blessed. Thank you so much, Pastor Joe, because we always love to have him in our church because he's, our church loves him. I think they love him more than they love me, I don't know. So that's a bit of a problem, I've got to sort that out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they know you very well, Pastor Joe. They know you very well, you know. Our leadership love, loves you, honours you, and uh, Lena, and also you know, the, the team, you know. Actually, we've been coming here for all the conferences ever since we started. We've been going back 13 years. And during the time, you know, our whole team comes, 50, 60 people, we used to come over from there. And we really enjoy you guys, your, your hospitality. I tell you, there's nobody can do, in you know, hospitality better than the Italians. And our guys are learning. (laughs) So it's good, it's good. I think you had passed uh, Dr. Meyer last week here, or week week before. That's a big pair of shoes to step into, isn't it? Yeah. Well, he's he's a doctor, he's got a PhD. Thank God I don't have a permanent head damage, so I'm fine. The only qualification that I have is a BA, you know? And that is born again. So that's enough for God, isn't it? All the other universities, you got to join them, and then you get your BA. But this one, you get the BA, and then you join the University of God. So I like that. I like that. You know, something about, I love coming here, because it's been a long time since I was here last, because you're the most loving and most friendly and most, you know, happy bunch of people. And I'm so glad to be here. You know, just, uh, I want to also thank you so much for praying for me, because a couple of months ago, I was really sick, and... uh, I was, you know, struggling. I just took took two months off church after 13 years, and I was feeling very, very low in my own life. And that, uh, you know, I was struggling a lot with my. I had a heart problem. My heart was, you know, beating irregularly. I was, at least, I knew at that time I had a heart, so it was beating. <laughs> and uh, eventually, what happened was I had go to the doctors, couple of visits to, uh, to specialists, ended up in uh, emergency twice. I was a bit bit scared, but of course, you know, pastor, uh, uh, Joe is my pastor and he calls me regularly, we call each other. And thank you so much, you know, for praying for me on on your Sunday service. That was really helpful. And uh, I come through that and I'm feeling much better. And I'm here today by the grace of God, Amen? amen? By the grace of God. So, yeah. I've always been a very fit person, you know. I played rugby for my country, as you know, and kept on my national side, and I was always fit. I never have a problem with any sickness or diseases, but you know, as you grow older, things happen, and unfortunately, you know, this happened to me. And while I was in bed, I was, you know, uh, I was seeking the Lord for healing, because God has come more, almost every time I fall sick, to be very honest with you, God has healed me, and most of the time, miraculously, instantly. And here I was crying unto the Lord and saying, God, why won't you heal me? You know, I mustered up my faith. I began to put the word in and I started to stand on God's word, stand on God's promises and, you know, go back to all my previous healings, how I was healed of tonsillitis and how I was healed of a bad broken neck and my back. And, you know, many, many, many miracles that God has done in and through my life and the congregation as I looked at, I see miracles, you know, that God has done through the ministry. And, you know, I begin to start to, Basically quote what God has done in the past and try to, you know, uh, let him know that I'm a man of faith and that I can, you know, that you have done this before and all that. But as I uh, slept on my bed, you know, not grumbling or murmuring unto the Lord, but trying to, you know, master some more faith, to believe God for a miracle, believe God for a healing. And as I was beginning to do that, I really began to sense God say something to me. I believe God, the Holy Spirit was saying to me, you don't receive from God because you qualify even though he has qualified us. It is not because, you know, we have great faith or, or God is obligated to do anything for us. Because we are Christians or we are churchgoers. He does not do it because we tithe and give off offerings and we attend all the prayer meetings and we fast and we pray. And we 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 think we qualify God. To or we qualify ourselves before before God. And we expect God to, you know, come through to us because you know of our our, our holiness, perhaps, or because we are you know, not doing the things we did like we did before. And we seem to think that we are in a position now, they're better people than what we were before we got saved, perhaps, or just because we've been in the, in, in, in the kingdom of God for a long time, and now we have arrived, sort of to say. You know, we don't do the things we did before. We're not the jealous type. We're not the type, you know, who are proud and arrogant. We are humble, and God has changed us. And all this is good and great, and this is, this is, this is important for us. But none of those things really continue to qualify us to receive from God. And then I I came to the conclusion lying on my bed that the only reason that God will do anything for me or for any one of us is, I just thought of five things that the Lord gave me while I was on the bed. One was because of his love for us. We must not forget that we have a loving God. We sometimes don't realize how much he loves us and cares for us. You know, and how much do we put our faith in his love for us? And his love is unconditional. It is not a conditional love. He doesn't get up one morning and, you know, say, I don't love you, Ronald. No, he constantly loves you and me with a love that's everlasting. Then, of course, it is his grace. His grace that he has so much, you know, loved and cared for that he has even afforded his grace towards us. Then his mercy. We forget about the grace of God. We forget about the mercy of God. Then his goodness to each and every one of us. Isn't God good? Amen. He's a good God. You know, we, we, we want principles and we want, you know, nuggets from God's word. How we, can do, how we can get and how we can you know live a better life. But it's all the mercy of God and the goodness of God in our lives. God is good. And the fifth thing that I felt the Lord tell me was, he is a faithful God. Something that we don't realize when we are going through hard times, that our God is a faithful God. You know, I can give you a number of, you know, in fact, I got onto the internet to find out any stories about faithfulness of God. Actually, there were millions of it, millions of it. You're a testimony for the faithfulness of God. This church is a testimony of the faithfulness of God. And when I look back in the lives of people, I see the faithfulness of God. So on all five counts, He has got nothing to do with us. It has got nothing to do with us in one sense, but it's all got to do with him. Think about it, all five cons. So I was just thinking to myself then, wow, then because of his his love, his his grace, his mercy, his goodness, and his faithfulness, I am a recipient of God's, God's blessings in my life. And I started to focus in on that. And I begin to preach to our church, you know, over a period of uh, five weeks on these five subjects. It took me over one hour on each, so I hope you can give me the five of us today. <laughs> so because of his grace, his love, and his mercy, and his goodness towards us, I want to share five attributes of God very, very quickly. 1 John four sixteen tells us, for God is love, and verse 8 of the same chapter tells us that God is defined as love. You know, the most amazing thing God is, God is always known to be love, isn't it? He? he did not graduate to become love. He, did, he didn't you know, have to grow into love like you and I, we grow into love. He never grows into love. He's always been love. But can you think about this? Before he created anything, he was called love. Whom did he love? Whom did he love before he created us to love? See, they loved each other. The father loved the son, the son loved the father. The father loved the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit loved the father. You know, this, there was a love triangle that was going on in the Trinity. They loved each other. That is why the Bible says that God is love. Because they love each other so much that their love is perfect. You know, we mustn't run away from the fact that this all began up there. It didn't begin down here because he didn't create us to start to be a loving person. He was always love. And the Bible tells us he was always defined as love. I mean, God is love. There's nothing else. He doesn't decline God is power. He doesn't decline any other. But the best way the Bible declares us about God is God is love. So they loved each other to bits, you know, as we say. They were so perfect and they're still perfect in love. In John chapter 5 verse 20 it tells us, For the Father dearly loves the Son and shows him everything that he himself is doing. And the Father will show him greater work than this, so that you will be filled with wonder. See, because they love each other so much, that the Father will do anything for the Son, and the Son will do anything for the Father, the Father will do anything for the Spirit, because they love each other so much, and guess what? You and I wonder when we see the amazing things that God is doing. You know, can I borrow just three people quickly? Just those three, three of you, can you kind come? Take three of them quickly. You can stand down there if you don't mind. Yeah, yeah, down here, yeah. Now just think with all due respect to God, the Father is a bit older than the rest, the Son and the Holy Spirit. You know, they love each other so much that they would do anything for each other. Just imagine in your own mind, you love one another, Don't you think that you'll do whatever you can, you know, because love is actually, you know, doing the best for the other. So this is what is taking place in heaven. And we don't realize this. We think it's all about us. It's not all about us. It's about them. You know, we brought this down too low. But the fact is, this is exactly what's happening in heaven, that these three love each other so much that they will do anything for each other so that each other will be glorified because that's what the Bible tells us. So in this, this love triangle, we are caught into the midst of this love triangle because they love so much, we got caught into it. They, they put their love into us. And as a result, now we try to love each other as much as they love each other because but we can never come to that standard of love. But as a result, they're doing so much for each other. Imagine when we come to that standard, how much we'll we be doing for each other. You can see, just, just a quick illustration. He tells, us, he tells us in John eight fifty. However, I am not seeking glory for myself, Jesus says. There is one who seeks glory for me and judges those who dishonor me. And verse 54, he says, Jesus answered, If I, if I glorify myself, my glory is worth nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say is our God. So there is no doubt that the Godhead seeks out to glorify each other. Have you ever thought about that? This is amazing, you know. That the Father is seeking out to glorify the Son. And the Son is seeking out to glorify the Father. The Spirit of God is seeking out to glorify the Father and the Son. Because of their loving relationship that they have with one another. You know, this blew my mind. Because I, I, I always thought it because of your love coming uh, to me, and my love for you is why I'm getting what I'm getting. And sometimes we think that way. Because I love God, you know. How many of you, how many of you really want to please God? Let me show your hands. How many of you want to please God? Beautiful. How many of you think God is pleased with you? I lost a lot of hands. You see what's happening? because you're not receiving the love of God that comes to you. You think he will love you if he's not pleased with you? He's pleased with you, he loves you. I mean, that is, he goes to extents to show you his love, the very fact that Jesus came and died for us is the greatest extent that he went for, went to. He tells us in John 17:1, Jesus, in his high priestly prayer, he said these words, you know, the, the Lord's prayer is actually, you know, uh, John 15, 16, 17. What we get of the Lord's prayer is actually the disciples' prayer, but this is actually the Lord's prayer. It tells us here, Father, the hour has come, glorify Your Son, that Your Son may glorify You. You see the picture? Because of this loving relationship, they all out to glorify each other. Now you might be thinking, this really self, you know, God. Well, He's He's sovereign. He's God anyway. He can do whatever He wants to do. Who are we to question Him? Why are you doing? Why are you doing? What are you doing for? Then He goes on to say here. Yeah, Verse, uh, verse, verse, uh, sorry, verse 4, he says, I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. He said, this whole thing has been taking place even before the world began because they love so much. And they love each other so much. So in these two verses, I see the result of love that they have for each other, that they want to glorify each other. You know, stop and think about whatever God does for you and does for me is to glorify each other. You see? And then we see, we see uh, John 17, 23 to 24, the Amplified. I in them and you in me. It's coming down to us now that they may be perfected and completed into one so that the world may know without any doubt that you sent me and that you, and that you have loved them just as you have loved me, the comparison. God loves us as much as he loved Jesus and he loves each and every one of us the same way. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given to me as your gift to me, maybe with me where i am so that they may see my glory which you have given me me because you loved me before the foundations of the world you know when i look at this passage of scripture i mean god started to ministering to on that sick bed i begin to realize you know this is amazing you know this is the what the church needs to know of this wonderful God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. How they love each other and how they glorify and want to do each other. Because love means seeking the best for another. The Father is seeking the best for the Son, and the Son is seeking the best for the Father, and the the Spirit of God is seeking the best for them. And when you look at it like that, we can see this is the lifestyle that God wants all of us to live. We talk about the glory. We sang today about the glory. You know, it's all about the glory for the Father and the glory for the, I don't know how you're taking this message, but I'll tell you what, I was kind of excited when I begin to read this and say, God, this is all about your love for you for in the Trinity and your glory, and we are caught up in this wonderful, wonderful, you know, love triangle of yours, and we are so excited because we become the beneficiaries, we become the, you know, the recipients of your love for one another, and as you share your glory with each other, we are the ones that are benefiting by, church. You, you, we, you know, we can come to the throne of grace and know that we have a loving father and a loving, b- loving brother who always would care for us in this wonderful relationship. So, my first one this morning is, living in God's love will glorify God. Amen. Living in his love will glorify God. Psalm, Psalm 13 verse 5 tells us, but I have trusted in your steadfast love my heart shall rejoice in your salvation. Amen. Salvation means everything. It means your healing. It means your deliverance. It means your forgiveness. It means setting you up for eternity. It means everything God has provided for you and me. And the psalmist says, but I have trusted in your steadfast love My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. So when we learn to live in the love of God and understand that the Lord wants the best for us and that we receive from him to the glory of the Father, the glory of the Son, and the glory of the Holy Ghost. This is the lifestyle that God wants us to live in his love that glorifies him. Psalm 46 verse 10 tells us, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations, I will be ex- exalted in the earth. By us living in love, we stop, when we stop going around seeking our glory, our performance to be the reason for our blessings, or answers to our prayer, but if we wait upon the Lord, resting in his love for us at all times, not giving up, not thinking God doesn't love us. I've heard many people say, I don't know whether God really loves me. The very fact that the response this morning was, you know, does God, is God peace with you? You are not too sure. But when you realize that this love is something that is perpetual, it never ends, it keeps on and keeps on and keeps on, then you and I will never, never, never have to doubt. We can be still and know whatever we are going through, that He's in the midst of everything that we are going through because his love never, never ceases. It's steadfast, church. It's steadfast love. Psalm 14 verse, sorry, Psalm 143, verse 8 tells us, let me hear in the morning of your steadfast love. Did you hear this morning? You're hearing this morning of your steadfast love. For in you I trust. Make me know the ways I should go. For, for to you I lift up my soul. Or in other words, I entrust my life to you. Sometimes I wonder why we are not seeking the miracles we ought to see, why we don't see revival and a great move of, 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 uh, in our generation of, our, of, of God. I think we're not trusting in his love enough. We're not living in his love. Let's get back, church. It's not our performance. It's not what we know. It's not the knowledge, though it's important. But the most important thing is to trust and live a life in his love. When we learn to live in love, we glorify him. Because they live in love, they glorify each other. And he wants us to live in love. The more we love, the more we glorify him. The more we live in his love, that love will flow. It's not the eros and the Stoge love. We're talking about the agape love of God. Shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. See, he has three things that the Lord has given us, faith, hope, and love. And the Bible says it abides with us. Why does it abide with us? It never leaves us, as long as we use it and we allow the Spirit of God to flow out of us, that love will flow out of us. It's the agape kind of love that is the unconditional love of God. If he took the time to deposit that in our hearts by his Spirit, it's important then. It's important to all of us this morning to understand how good our God is. Hallelujah. So what glorifies God is, is when we, when we live in His love glorifies Him. My second thing is living in grace glorifies God. we living in grace glorifies God. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 12 tells us, we pray this so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in Him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me read that again. We pray this so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you. Whose name to be glorified? His name to be glorified. How? According to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. I remember watching the news as soon as this Ukraine-Russian war started and the American, you know, the, the ambassador to the United Nations. She said this on national, uh, uh, on national TV, I think channel seven. She said this words. she said, it is just God's grace that that bomb didn't strike that uh, the atomic plant. If it had only struck the plant, the entire Europe would have to be you know, have to ev- ev- evacuated from Europe, everybody. But she said it was the grace of God. And I thought to myself, how true, how true. God's grace is always there, even when we don't even see it and, and, and feel it or know it. His grace is always there. He tells us in Ephesians 2 verse, uh, uh, verse 89, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it is the gift of God, not of words, lest anyone should boast. The Apostle Paul, I think he wrote, he wrote the most on, on, on the subject of grace, I think over a hundred times he has written about grace. Let me begin by saying that if God will do anything in your life and in my life, it will be because of His grace. Would you accept that? Amen. Yes, you are where you are today, I am where I am today. You know, even Paul, the apostle said this word. He said, you know, I've done all this, but it is not me. It was the grace of God. Even all your achievements, all what your family, all everything has been because of the grace of God. Aren't you privileged? Aren't we privileged to live under this awesome grace of God? Sometimes we don't realize what God is doing in our lives. If he would open our eyes to see what's happening in the spiritual realm, you and I will be surprised. But thank God he doesn't do it to everybody. But when he does it, you know what's going on. But what's keeping us safe and strong, what's keeping us alive and taking and fulfilling God's will is the grace of God. Nothing but the grace of God and this is not just because we are pastors it is for every single one of us that we all must experience and we do experience consciously or unconsciously the grace of god in our lives you know there are so many times that i may have been in an accident but god had prevented it by his grace you know this is when you live in the grace of god you glorify him you know sometimes i hear i hear christians you know giving god glory how wonderful But sometimes they're attaching it to coincidences. Friends, there is no coincidences in our lives. It's all the work and the purpose of God for each and every one of us. Start to believe it because when you start to live in it, you're glorifying God. The moment you say, you know, a stroke of luck or perhaps, you know, just a coincidence, you're just degrading what God is doing in your life. You know, we must, we must uphold the glory, uphold the tree, uphold what God is doing in our lives, and say, Lord, I am living in your, in your grace, and my living in your grace is glorifying you, and this is all about your glory, Lord. And when we do that, we will see more and more and more grace coming to you and me. Can I borrow the same three people? <laughs> I love to borrow people. Actually, if you, you, might, if you want to come over to restore, you're welcome. No, no, Pastor Joe won't come, Joe. <laughs> All right. Now just think, this guy is the law, the works. Come here, you're the law of works. He's a grace man, and he's Jesus Christ. All respect to the Lord. Uh, <laughs> doesn't look like him, no? Anyway, I'll just have a go at you. And uh, he's finished the work for us. He's finished the work for us. Here am I. I'm trying to appropriate and receive what he has done for me on the cross. He said it was finished. And I'm trying to go to him with my my qualifications, with works, with keeping the law. I'm a good boy, Lord. I haven't sinned. I haven't done this. And I'm trying to appropriate what he did through through the law. But the Bible says that faith doesn't operate through the law. I can't get what he has finished for me as a result of going through here. But if I don't go through here, I come through grace. This is what will get me, yes, right. what God has for me. And you know, I had a gentleman, I think his name is David, who came and saw me from this church last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was, I think he deals with your computers and all that. He said, when I came to this church, he had come out from a, from a, from a background, you know, that was basically trying to approach the finished work of the cross through, through the law and through the works. Mm-hmm. He said, after I came here, I realized what grace is. And now what? He's appropriating the work of God through grace, what he has finished for us. And as a result, it glorifies God. This doesn't glorify God because it all depends on you and me if we're trying to go this way. But we can't go this way. If we go this way, it will glorify God. So when we say living in grace glorifies God, It's because we appropriate the finished work of the cross of Calvary through the grace that he has provided for us. And every time we do that, it glorifies God and we'll receive from God what he has for us. Amen. You may be seated. You're saved by grace. You're protected by grace. You're blessed by grace. You are healed by grace. Amen. This is what glorifies God. So what glorifies God is when His people come to Him on the basis of His grace, which means He and He alone will be glorified because it is His grace, His grace. We cannot make any claims for the results and the blessings we have from Him supernaturally. Can you see what I'm trying to get across to you? This is so important for a time like this because I really believe that uh, we've got to return back the grace factor to the church. God, come back to the loving factor of the church. Or oh, well, you might say, Pastor, we can claim the promises of God in the word. He will give it to us. Yes, he will, everything. But it still comes by grace. He cannot come out of grace. I know many people have told me, you know, Pastor, I prayed, I fasted. You know, I went to church, I gave. I did all this stuff. But my father died. I said, really? Now, we don't have all the answers. Let's face facts. We don't. But if you're going to base the results of what you wanted to see on what you did, then it's not grace. It's not grace. It is basically your efforts to please him. He doesn't get glorified. So don't even try because you'll never be able to satisfy God with your works and with your ways of doing things, amen? So what is grace? Grace is the unmerited, unearned, undeserved favor of God, which brings glory to the giver and unmerited, unearned, undeserved favour of God to the recipient, you and me. Amen. Amen. And I was thinking of this, I've been rolling in my bed and I know I've been one month, you know, six. Sometimes I wonder whether I have got to the bed because the Lord had to speak to me. Sometimes we get, you know, so caught up with things and we get so caught up with, you know, the ministry. And then we suddenly begin to slip out of time of, of you know, spending a long, long time with God. And when I begin to do that, I said, Lord, I, I think you're speaking to me. I don't know about the church, but you're speaking to me. And I'm prepared to, Lord, just listen to you and do what you, what you want me to do. I believe we, sh- we, we should pray, we should fast, we should read the Bible, we should do all of that. But we can experience more of God's grace through obedience. That's all important. He'll never be glorified because of our works, as I said. So what is grace then? Then grace has got to be understood that grace is nothing but the unmerited, unearned, undeserved favor of God upon you and me. Amen. So I really believe this morning that this church is a church of grace. Amen. So when you come to this church, when I walk in through those doors, I really sense the presence of God. I was refreshed, sincerely. People walk into church, you know, they get refreshed. Why right? God's presence is here, His grace is here, to minister to us. And you know, this you don't find this in a pub. <laughs> you don't find this in one of the you know forty halls when those forty players are playing. It's a waste of time. You know, I spend most of my time playing rugby. I've been around the world playing rugby, you know, for my country. I never experienced this in those in those in those you know you know in those grounds. Never. I've been to all the dance floors. That's where I met my wife. We were not saved then. But, but you know, God did some good things with it. I'm married 45 years now, I have six children, you know, just growth, yeah, and then of course I have eight grandchildren. It's amazing, isn't it, what God can do. You know, we didn't plan for six, I didn't really want to have one, but things worked out well. <laughs> so, trusting in the Lord is very, very good thing. Grace, 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 thank you Lord for grace. So Romans 11:6 tells us, and if by grace, then it is no longer of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. But if, it of, but if it is of works, it is no longer grace. Otherwise, works is no longer work. So God's grace will provide for us independently from everything that you think you needed to do before you receive your blessings. In other words, grace and grace alone. That's what glorifies God. So if you've been boasting around and saying, I did this and I did that, you know, God is still gracious towards us. (laughs) we still do it. But it's got nothing to do with that. It doesn't glorify God. I have heard a lot of people say a lot of things of what they've done and achieved, you know. It's like, you know, I'm a a self-made man. I just think to myself, you know, where is the grace in your life, my brother? You know, why aren't you not giving God the glory? Because the more you do it, the more you'll receive. The more you do it, the more you'll understand the grace of God in your life. The third thing is here is is living in God's mercy glorifies God. This is so important. Exodus 34, verse 6 to 7 says, And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth. Keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving the iniquity and the transgressions and sin. By no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. You know the story about Moses, he said, I want to see your glory. <laughs> and the Lord said, okay, I will hide you in the shelf of, of the mountain. And when I pass by, I just put my hand and you can see my glory. And what did he proclaim and say? He said, I am merciful, keeping my mercy. Mercy is basically compassionate or kind forbearance shown to us an offender, an enemy, or other persons in one's power. God is the only true provider of mercy, my friends, just like the grace of God. Psalm 136 tells us, Oh, give thanks to the Lord for his good and his mercy endures forever. Aren't you, aren't you glad that God has been merciful to us? Every one of us. We are here is because of his mercy. It's not because only you chose to be here this morning. God's mercy has been on your life. Whether you accept it or not, he's been been very merciful. And living under the mercy of God will always glorify God. Amen. God is more inclinable to mercy than wrath. You know that. Sometimes we've been portrayed about God as if he's such a of waiting to beat you and me up. No, my friends, he is not that. Mercy is actually, he, it is his, his darling attribute. That's what mercy, his darling attribute towards you and me, amen? Which he, which he most delights in towards you and me. God's mercy is what kept Adam and Eve on the face of his earth. If God was not merciful, he would have wiped them off the moment they sinned. And I wonder, I think that would have been a good thing if they did it, if you did it. <laughs> no, really. Because you know why God used federal headship to pass down sin to all of us. As the Bible says, we are conceived in sin because of those two. But he was merciful to them and to all of us. That his mercy didn't even, not, didn't even stop with, with them, but it came down the line to each and every one of us. Aren't you glad this morning that he was merciful and that his mercy didn't wipe them off? It was God's mercy towards us that we are not consumed by his wrath. It is God's mercy that sent Jesus into the world. It was his mercy to forgive us. It is is the greatest design of scripture to represent God, therefore, as merciful. As merciful. Mercy is what acts strongly and what has acted strongly in your life and in my life as sinners to him. It was his mercy. Because the Lord is merciful and gracious towards us, you know, even though you may sin 70 times seven a day, he's still merciful to forgive you. Never run away from God. Even if you do the worst thing, my friends, God is still merciful and gracious. If he could have saved you in your, from your sinful ways and brought you into his kingdom by showing you mercy, how much more mercy will he show you on an ongoing basis? You may make the biggest mistakes. You may have do the worst things. You may end up even in jail, wherever it is. I want to say to you this morning, wherever you are, His mercy will reach out to you. you, He's a loving God. He's a gracious God. He's a merciful God. And I thank God for His mercy. Where would I be when I think of my life before I got saved? A drunkard. You know, I was a terrible man. Paul the Apostle said that he was the worst sinner. I tell Paul, count me in two. You know, because all of us have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. None of us are righteous, irrespective of what we may be born to Christian families. You know, we all have sinned, but the mercy of God still comes down. All my kids, you know, I couldn't hand me down Jesus to them, but you know what? God's mercy came upon them too. So we must live in the mercy of God. When we choose to live in the mercy of God, we glorify Him. We glorify Him. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Number four, I'll just add a few things when it comes to mercy. God's mercy towards us is overflowing and limitless. 1 Peter 1.3 tells us, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. He has blessed us according to his abundant mercy too. It's not just only for the forgiveness of our sins as he reached out to us, but his mercy reaches out to us to bless us abundantly. Amen. God is full of mercy. The devil will tell you otherwise when we fail, as I said. His mercy also does not give us what we deserve, as you know. We deserve hell. We deserve total separation from God for eternity. Titus tells us, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. God, don't go to God expecting to receive because you deserve anything. You go to God believing that he's merciful to you. You know, I've heard the cries of so many people. You know, I, I like those Christians that don't profess too much of faith. Mm. Oh, my God. I you know, say, no, I just went to God and, I can't, I can't believe how it has happened, but God was so merciful to me. You know, that type of thing really glorifies God. You know, there are people that have built lots of stuff and, you know, going well. They're all boasting about themselves, but they don't realize it is the mercy of God that has provided for them. Amen. Amen. The mercy is always available when we need it. You know that? It's always available. Hebrews 14, 16 tells us. So let us come boldly. Am I on time, Pastor Joe? I'm on Melbourne time. <laughs> How many minutes more, God? How many minutes? Five minutes. Well, let's, let's do it quickly. Sorry. God's mercy is always available when we need it. So let us come boldly to the very throne of God and stay there to receive his mercy. And stay there. We need to stay there sometimes. We're quick to get out. To find another alternative. But stay in the mercy of God. Because when we stay in the mercy of God, the Bible tells us he comes through. He says, stay there. Receive his mercy. And to find grace to help us our time of need. Don't step out of the mercy of God. Say, God, I'm going to stick around here. Because this is what's going to glorify you at the end of the day. Because my answer is coming from you. So therefore, I will move out from here. I'm going to stay in your mercy. Confess, Lord, I'm in your mercy. I'm in your mercy. And you know what? God will bring you out. He will bring you out. God has, through his mercy, given us access into his presence to find grace to meet our needs. I always say that mercy and grace are twins. They are twins. You know, love and goodness are twins. And since i got to wrap this up quickly, look at the fourth point. Uh, living in God's goodness glorifies God. Psalm 107, verse 8 tells us, Oh, that men would know, would, sorry, that men would praise as he sang today, and confess to the Lord for his goodness and loving kindness and his wonderful work for all his children. It's his goodness. The goodness of God is another attribute of God, like love, grace, mercy, that we have that we have shared. Everything in God is good. God is holy, is good. God's righteousness is good. God is good in his entirety. There is nothing about God that is not good. There's nothing that God purposes for his children. It's not good. Everything is good. You remember that slogan that we had? God is good all the time. All the time? God is good. He's always good. You can't get him to do anything bad. Everything is good. James 1:17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning, but every good gift comes from the Lord. Aren't you glad? Have you received good gifts? Every one of us have. You know, I have received all good gifts. You have received all good gifts. And we praise God for that. Finally, I'm gonna rush through this. We got living in God's goodness glorifies Him. Living in God's faithfulness glorifies God. First Corinthians chapter one verse nine tells us God is faithful. He's reliable. He's trustworthy, and even true to his promises. He can be depended on. And though and through him you were called into fellowship with his Son Jesus, Amen. If i ask you how many times has God been faithful to you? You say all the time, isn't it? He's a faithful God, my friends. I'll give you a quick story and I'll close up. You know, when we were back in Sri Lanka when we were living there. What happened to us was there was, a, there was a riot going on, the Tamils were fighting the Sinhalese, all political of course. And about a week, about, no, about a month and four, I, I used to be so involved with the hospital ministry, I would stand at the gates and wait till the, the gates opened uh, during the time of you know, hospital visitation. I would go quickly pray for people, lead people to the Lord. And that day I was standing there and I was thinking to myself, I was very depressed that day. I don't know why. Like a, like a cloud of depression was over me. I had carry a little pocket Bible. I pulled it out. And God said, ask me anything you want. I said, Lord, I have a friend of mine who's really going through a hard time. Can you please meet this man's need? And the Lord said, no, ask for yourself. So I thought for a while, what shall I ask? I said, Lord, we needed a home, a house. We want to move from where we were. It was too small. I said, God, can we have a house? I went back home. I told my wife. I said, honey, you know, God, God spoke to me and said, ask anything you want. And I asked for so and so. And this is what happened. So we both knelt down and we prayed and said, Lord, give us a house. And a week later, we had a call and we went to see this particular home and I looked at the house. You know, I liked it. You know, ladies have a different view of homes, you know. So I didn't want to say anything. My wife said, I don't think I like this. I said, that's fine. No, let the Lord deal with that. I liked it. So that in the house, there was a little girl, her daughter and her daughter was covered with eczema and her hair was all matted and pasted. So she said, Ronald, can you pray for my little child? I laid my hands and prayed. And I asked said, Lord, if this is the house for us, heal this child. Then she will know that this is the house. (laughs) True, this is true, you know. I'm not conning, I'm just frankly true. And we went away. The next day, that lady called me and said, my daughter was completely healed. So I told my story to my wife. I told my story to my wife. And she said, okay, let's take the house. So simple. See, so when God is in it, it's so easy. You don't have to push your wife, she knows, you know. So anyway, to cut a long story short, just after we moved into that house, just a week later, the communal riots started. They were burning people, killing people, going to house to house. And whoever was associated with Tamils, they murdered them. They put tires around them and burnt them. We moved a week le- before all this happened. My wife was a Tamil they would have come for her. But the faithfulness of God saved me, saved my wife, and my children. And I look back and I say, God, that was your faithfulness to us. We didn't know what was going to happen. The house next door was turned up and they killed them. And they knew who we were because they had the you know voting list with them. You don't know what God does for us. But doesn't that glorify God living in his faithfulness? My friends, that's where where we have to get into. Living in God's love, living in God's grace, living in God's mercy, living in his goodness, living in his faithfulness, will glorify. We're caught in a love triangle. Fully worth to live like this and begin to glorify God. Shall we stand, church, this morning? I want to pray for one group of people this morning. You're feeling rejected? You're feeling cast down. And also, I want you others who have a need to just hold on to these five things this morning and approach the throne of grace, approach the throne of mercy. It's a mercy seat that he's on. He's waiting for us on his mercy seat. Whatever you need maybe this morning, I know I've taken a little bit more time, but I'll rush through this. I want you to close your eyes this morning. Lift your hands up to the Lord. He's pleased with you. I said, God, I just want you, by your grace, by your love, your mercy, your goodness, and your faithfulness, to come to me today. Whatever may be the need, if you're depressed, if, you've, if you have been rejected from your small age, from your young age, or you're feeling rejected because of your boss, your parent, whatever it is, God's going to set you free this morning. He's reaching out to you, my friends. We're not a rejected bunch of or a rejected society. No, we are, we are a society that God has accepted every one of us our identity comes from Him and nobody else. is not what you possess, what you have. It comes from Him. Father, in the matchless name of Jesus, you see the hearts and you see the needs. According to your word this morning, minister to them. And it's all for your glory. And we thank you, Father, in Jesus' name.
0: Amen. Thanks, Pastor Ronald. What a great encouraging word. Can I hear an amen? God is such a good God, a gracious God, a loving God, a faithful God, a merciful God. And if we can learn to live in those areas, I strongly believe our lives would be lived differently, completely differently. I pray we would get a revelation of each of those things in our hearts and lives. Well, God bless you. You have a great week. Wednesday night, uh, we have... um, uh, a prayer night here at church. Come along. If some of you would like prayer, we're going to be here at the front for a couple of minutes. Uh, you know, Feel free to come forward. Pastor Ronald would love to pray with you as we dismiss the congregation. God bless you. You have a great week. We'll see you on Wednesday night. Amen.